You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the heroine of family devotions, Miss Cassie Bryant. Cassie, how are you doing today? Hello. I don't think I knew that's how you said heroin. That's how you I thought, say? I think I always thought it was heroin. Heroin? Yeah, not like the drug. Like, I didn't, just, I didn't know. Like a female hero would be a heroin? Hero. Female well, like hero. hero. Maybe heroin? I don't know. I'm just saying I didn't know. But now I know, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, and then the woman I love to worship with, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? Good. You know, for a second, it sounded like you're going to say the woman I love to worship, and I was going to be like, that's flattering and concerning <laughs> all at the same time. That's funny. You are my heroine. You know, in more ways than one. You know, I'm addicted to you because you're my heroine and uh, you're also my female hero. I like both of those. I'll be your drug. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're talking about family discipleship time. But first, before we get into that, let me restart here a little bit. This season, we're doing kind of an eight episode kind of arc to talk about family discipleship, modeling, time, moments milestones, and and then have an episode after each one of those where we have on a special guest. And I'm really excited about our guest this season who kind of like flesh it out for us. We've and so the, some great guests. Uh, we do. In fact, uh, next week excited. we'll have uh, Ruth Cho Simons who's going to talk about writing a devotional, talking about resourcing for family discipleship time. I'm really excited about that. I'm a big that. fan. Yeah. yeah. She's great. After the milestones episode, we'll have John Tyson talking about the milestones with your, in particular, sons, but we'll talk about daughters as well. Uh, but before we get into kind of today's topic, Cassie, can you give us a quick summary of the framework for family discipleship? What are modeling, time, moments, milestones? What are all of those? Happy to. We think of the framework through those four words. We believe that uh, primarily modeling, or I guess first and foremost, that you should be modeling what a relationship with Christ looks like. And that it just is happening out of an overflow kind of of your affections and your worship and your following of Jesus. And that's just in your spiritual devotion, spiritual discipline disciplines and that your kids would be see, would see essentially how your life is marked you know through time moments and milestones uh, with the father and then time would be time that you plan there's a rhythm of time where you are spending intentional time in God's word in song and prayer uh, with your kids and so that takes some you know forethought you need to make a plan for that you need to prepare for that and um, and then it just kind of takes the courage to execute it even when it's not convenient yeah. and then most Moments, moments are just everyday occurrences that happen that can be leveraged. It's kind of like putting on a pair of glasses where you're just kind of looking for opportunities throughout your day to talk about the gospel, to talk about maybe what you read that morning in scripture, to pray for a neighbor or a friend or a teacher. Um, and you're just leveraging moments throughout the day to remind your kids what is true and what is good, what's beautiful. And then milestones would be kind of more monumental things that are going to happen in the life of your family or your kids. And you want to mark those things as kind of Ebenezer's to look back on and see, God was faithful. Remember how God was faithful here? And so that can be anything like birthdays could be milestones, baptism, uh, when you're, you're for your kid's first car, it could be your kid's 13th birthday. I mean, there are all sorts of milestones. It could be the first time your kid aces a test that you've been praying that God would, you know, help grow them in that knowledge and skill. I mean, there's different milestones, but you kind of make and mark milestones. 
Those are fantastic definitions. Thank you, Cassie. It's almost like you do this for a living, like you explained uh, this a couple close. times before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, why don't you help us kick off this conversation about family discipleship time? Why is having time in the Word or worshiping together, why is that a critical component of how we lead a family spiritually? Well, our kids are unwise <laughs> by nature, right? The, the Bible says that folly is uh, stored up in the heart of a child, you know? It's such a delight to read the Word with our kids and uh, just to see God's goodness in that his word can be understood by kids and that uh, he can reveal himself to children and he can give them a faith. Um, And so for us, just grounding our kids in the word of God and teaching them how to how to read their Bible and just to do it with us so that there's some guidance there so we can give context and things like that. You know, that would be, I think it'd be strange, you know, if you, in the life of mm-hmm. a Christian family to say like, we all read our Bible, but like mom and dad read our Bible separately. And then we just tell our kids to read our Bible. Uh, no, we've been doing it with them since day one, making time to be in the word. And also just mm-hmm. it's, it's practicing a discipline and showing them that we all have time for this. And it's a priority. We do it every single day that we read the Bible with our kids. So yeah, I think it, it's, it's critical. Yeah. Any family that wants to be engaged in family discipleship will have to have some aspect of putting aside time where you are going to intentionally say, this is time we are going to pray together. This time we're going to read the Bible together. This is time we're going to worship together. If you're not doing that, and you're wanting to disciple your family. This is like one of the first steps outside of, are you genuinely a Christian yourself? Which we talked about in the, in the last aspect of uh, modeling. If you are actually following Christ, then you are going to be a family that reads the Bible together at some mm-hmm. point. You are going to be a family that worships together. At some point, you're going to be part of a local church that you have an appointed time and your week that you're going to go and play a role. Cassie, what are some other examples of family discipleship time? What would be maybe daily, weekly, monthly examples of what it looks like for a family to have time on the calendar that's supposed to be for spiritual leadership? Yeah. Well, daily would be, I think, just reading. If you have a Bible plan, then reading through that maybe at a meal time or in a, in the car listening to something. Really, it's anything that you've like thought ahead of and you've kind of set aside that time and that your kids can almost expect it because it's become a rhythm. Now, that's not to say that we're not nearly that consistent. In fact, our family discipleship time, it looks different seasonally. So different depending on our time commitment. So we'll kind of reevaluate either based on the month, either the season or maybe the season in the church calendar, like Advent might look different than right now in January or even Lent coming up. And so daily though, I think time in the word in the morning just sets our whole family up with this right perspective of God's word is authoritative. It's all sufficient. It's our daily bread. So we are going to come and sit under what God has uh, revealed to us about himself and about his plan of redemption. And then we're going to maybe discuss that or, you know, we'll, we'll definitely pray. And then for us, Bible memory is a big weekly thing. Where our, and that is incorporated in our kids' school, but also our church has memory verses of the months. And so we are constantly talking about the verses that we're memorizing and talking about application for those verses. And so that's kind of a weekly rhythm of we just kind of, we daily are kind of repeating them, but like weekly yeah. we're starting a new, a new text that we'll be memorizing. Uh, weekly can also look like Sabbath. I think that's a great time to think about family discipleship time. If you are Sabbathing as a family, then you're, you're just kind of building in that rhythm of rest and that God made us for rest. And then what does it look like to find rest in God? And I think church is a big part of our weekly family discipleship time. It's discipling our kids that the family of God, the body, the local body is an important thing to prioritize. And we model that and then we schedule that, right? That's something we do on Sundays. 
Monthly kind of got me on monthly. I'm trying to think of like regular monthly rhythms. I don't know that we have any. That's a great question. I think of sometimes monthly might look like uh, serving together. You're probably not doing oh, it every yeah. day. You're probably doing it every week, but maybe once a month That's as a, a family, one. you're going to serve together, or uh, maybe you're having a, a movie night as a family once a month, or a game night once a once a month as a family. You're sitting down together. Or, yeah. Uh, maybe even an, annually, maybe short of a milestone, but maybe you're going on a trip together. I just think there's things you put on the yeah. calendar that are associated with family. Totally. Discipleship. I thought a couple of the words you brought up of rhythm, you brought up the word consistency, um, commitment. Those are all words I think of when I think about family discipleship time. Yeah. Is what are preparedness. Yeah. It's hard to do it if you're not prepared. I would even say like, if you know you're going to read a text the next morning, go ahead and like read it the night before or read it when you get up first so you can even anticipate questions that are going to come up that, so you don't get caught off guard. So I think preparedness is a big one at the time. That's good. That takes a little bit of an intentionality. And for a parent, that maybe sounds intimidating. You're like, who's got time to not only do this, but be prepared? But there are so so many other things in your life that you're preparing for all the time and they're yeah. not nearly as important as this one. You're preparing meals every day. You're mm-hmm. going to you're not going to not feed yourself or your kids. You're preparing for your work or you're preparing your home if you're staying at home, you're cleaning things, you're planning out your day, you're setting goals. That's the same amount of time we're asking you to do mm-hmm. for something way more important which is investing in the spiritual life of your kids. I think of in our home, I know Chelsea's mentioned this before in other episodes, like uh, we have some very simple rhythms. Like when we're dropping our kids off at school, we pray for them. And when we're putting our kids to bed at night, we say a verse over them. There's These things don't always take a ton of preparation. They're just part of our consistent rhythm. Uh, but they're so consistent that it'd be weird for us not to. And that's what I want in family yeah. discipleship. I want it to be so normal. You know, we talk about it being critically important, but mostly ordinary. Mm-hmm. I want it to be so normal that we read our Bible that our kids would be like, hey, why didn't we Why didn't we read the Bible? Or why didn't we pray before we eat? And why, just because we have people over, why didn't we stop down and do family discipleship when it was time for bed, you know? Chelsea, what do you think most families do with their time together? O- outside of this, what are they doing? Is there a way to leverage those times when they're already together to make it a time for family discipleship? Yeah, everybody eats. And not everybody has, you know, a perfect sit-down family dinner every night, but still everybody eats, you know? And sometimes Sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, if families haven't really been incorporating their faith into their parenting, you know, easy points of entry to be like, okay, eating reminds us that God provides us, that he empties us out to fill us back up again. Those are kind of simple things, but, you know, the Lord's so good to do that and to just draw us back to himself repeatedly to say, we're going to pray before meals if that's not something we do. If it is, but like Cassie said, you know, sitting down to eat together, we're already together. So now let's talk about the scriptures or the memory verse or whatever. So, I mean, everybody eats together. Anyone with young children, almost everybody has some time in the car. That's pretty regular. And what's great about that is you have your kids strapped down. Nobody can have some reason why they have to, (laughs) you know, go to the bathroom or whatever. You know, everybody's there in the car. We're all together. And so that can be a great time for worship or to to pray together, talk about the scriptures or something because we're all together and we got nowhere else to go. You know, we're all going somewhere together. So for us, you know, that's our car ride to school. When we're on long trips together, we love to listen to stuff. But yeah, people have some time together, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think a lot of families have more time than they realize uh, if they think about the time that they are already together. And and then how you prioritize it. You know, do you prioritize Sunday mornings to go to church? Do you prioritize at least one night a week to have a meal together as a as a family? Uh, but people love to talk about how busy they are. We all know that we make time 
for the things we want to do. Uh, we have the time to do what we want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You don't work for your clock. You don't work for your calendar. They work for you. Like you set them up and I get it. Some of us have jobs that are very demanding and you have bosses that expect a lot of you, but they are not 24 seven jobs. And if they are, you need to walk away. You know, they're your family mm-hmm. is that much more important. Talk to us about priorities, Cassie, where should family discipleship be on our list of all the family priorities we have to navigate? I mean, at the top, but that's something you fight for. I mean, just like you would have to fight for, you know, your own like physical health. Like, right. It's not an easy choice to say, I want to be, I mean, maybe for some it is, but like for us to eat healthy as a family, for us to be active as a family, those are things we have to prioritize, but it's not, it doesn't come naturally. It's much more natural to like eat junk food and watch movies. So all that to say, this should be a top priority, but I don't want that to make it sound like it should be easy. It's something that we have to fight for. It does get easier as you begin to carve out that space for it. And as your kids begin to expect it, and as you begin to get into the rhythm of preparing and like executing that intentional time, it does come more easily. And even the preparing can take less and less time because you become more, you know, you become more used to like what you're doing as a family. But if we believe that scripture is authoritative and it is sufficient and that it is our daily bread, then we should be partaking in it every day. And we should be modeling that for our kids. And I don't know how else we can expect for them to hold that value. And so maybe the question starts with, do you hold that value for yourself first? And then if you don't, like asking God to do some work in our hearts around that, it's just acknowledging our dependence on him. You know, it's not, it's not a prideful legalistic thing to do, but being God's word every day is saying, I need your word to help carry me through today. And I need this time in my personal walk, but also as a family, we need this to bring us together and to kind of submit ourselves under the authority of Christ. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something. And again, this is where accountability and community is huge because we weren't meant to do this alone. We were meant to do this with a body of believers. And so to have people that you're doing this alongside and cheering on one another and giving grace when we make mistakes or fail to do it, that's huge. We don't need to wear a bunch of guilt and shame if we're not doing this. But it is like, if we want our kids to acknowledge that this is important, then we have to, we have to move it up on the list of priorities. I totally agree. Chelsea, there's so many things in parenting or in work that a mom or dad would, we would never dream of flying by the seat of our pants when it comes to a lot of things. You know, whether it's a school choices or whether it's clothing our kids or finding some place to live or what does it look like for all these things that you're supposed to provide as a parent? Why do you think it's so easy for parents to treat family discipleship time so casually with so little intentionality or without any intentionality? Why why is that something so easy for us to say, yeah, 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 if we get to it or, or whatever? Man, sometimes in the church, we're really guilty of some cheap grace and really just twisting what, what God's grace even means. And then what I, so what I mean is kind of assuming God will take care of our kids' faith without much effort on our part. And so it's so easy for the pendulum to swing here between legalism and licentiousness. But I think, you know, for, for our good, God allows us to be a part of uh, molding our kids into faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we hear people, especially in in our world in church ministry, we hear people talk all the time about finding a church with the best kids stuff. People say it to us all right. the time. We well, we don't we don't really love this church, but we go there because of the kids stuff. They disciple our kids. They have the resources, they have the volunteers. And uh, what I 
that's great if they found a church like that. I really want everyone to say the best kid stuff is at my house. That's where the best kid yeah. ministry is at my house because nobody loves my kids like I do. And I know them. Mm-hmm. I know what my kids are going through. I spend time with them. So, man, I love for, you know, a church volunteer to be in the life of my children. That's awesome. But I know my sons better than anybody, or I should, and I want to. And so to disciple them, it's so helpful for me to understand the fears that my boys have, the insecurities they have, so that I can speak to that. Yeah, um, yeah a lot of things seem like they'll be easily resourced by the church or someone else or like a private school. You know, sometimes I hear people say that too about Christian school, like kind of like they'll take care of it. Somebody else um, will, will take mm-hmm. care of my kids' yeah. faith. I'll drop them off at church for these activities and they'll come back transformed. But we have the most time for transformation in our home with our family, I think. so. Mm-hmm. And then we're missing out mm-hmm. on the joy of doing that. Like right. God's called us to do it not right. to be a drag on us in our lives. He's called us to do it because it bring, yeah. it will bring joy. And, right. and so it's like, we no. don't want to lose sight of that. And I think that the enemy wants us to feel ill-equipped or too busy yeah. or all of those things. But it's yeah. like, it's for our joy and our good to disciple our kids. It's not just for their good and their joy, you know? Right. And that's not to disparage a a Christian school or a great church with great kids ministry. Those things are fantastic. But if we do nothing as their parent or we do less or we put no little, we put so little time into it because we think somebody else has the true expertise, then we're missing out on the actual call of God in our life. And I get how that happens. Every aspect of these kids' lives. If you're in a, if you're in a um, community where there's a lot of wealth, then you see parents hiring coaches and getting tutors and you see them outsourcing everything. And then if you're in a community that doesn't have a lot of wealth and mom is working two jobs or dad's working two jobs and the parents are rarely home, you again, you see TV as a huge influence and peers as a huge influence. And maybe you're just hoping the Lord is going to do something. What we're trying to call you to is see your role in this. Mm-hmm. And that is not to outsource. Like you can be the governor over what other people are getting access to in your kid's life. But there's a great joy, like Cassie said, to be found in being the one who puts intentionality into sitting down with your kids and reading the Bible together. And you don't have to be a theologian scholar in order to do so. You can be one step ahead. You can say, let's read this text together and I'll ask questions. You ask questions and we'll try to find the answers together. You don't you don't have to be intimidated by it. Cassie, if if one of your daughters came to you and said, like, let's say you're sitting down and you're doing a family Devo together, you know, at, at dinner or you're coming home from church and you're trying to tell them or walk through with them what uh, they learned during kids ministry. And one of your daughters asked you, why are we doing this? Why are we studying the Bible together? Why are we singing songs? Why are we praying? What kind of vision would you and Eric cast for them for family discipleship time? Like, this is why our family prioritizes this. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I we would say because God is what is best and we love him and we want to impart that to you as our daughters, but we cannot know him or love him apart from his word and apart from just worship, you know, they are the catalyst and kind of the trellis that we're going to build a relationship with God on. And so if we want to impart that to you, but we don't take, set aside this time to be in God's word and to show you who he is, then we, that desire won't likely be met, not through our own discipleship methods anyway. So I would say it would be for a love of God and understanding that he has revealed himself to us through his word. Right. And we want them to see that and to value that. 
Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. In one of our first episodes, we talked about influence. We talked about how many things out there are trying to influence our kids. And I, I feel like family discipleship time is our strategy as Christian families to say, where will we garner influence? Where will we tell our kids what's actually true? And finding, yeah, there, there's going to be moments. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But time is kind of the foundational aspect of telling them what's true from God's word. And I think that's such an important part of what the Bryant family, what the Griffin family is doing. Chelsea, let's get personal again here. What are some of your favorite memories of family discipleship in our house, family discipleship time for the Griffin boys? I have so many, honestly. Adam, I love it when you play guitar and we sing. That's always super sweet. Uh, We don't do that super often for those of y'all listening, if that sounds like it puts pressure on anybody. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But occasionally we do, and I love that. I love how often our discipleship time where we, you know, sit down with our boys to read and pray and sing, how often it just leads to just crazy laughter. And our, our boys are just, they're so silly and so fun. And um, how often yeah. we're just rolling on the floor laughing together. And again, not every single night is like that. Sometimes it's honestly just like, okay, we did it because it's the obedient right thing to do. We read, mm-hmm. we worship together. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it feel, it can feel dry or whatever. But so many times, man, it just feels like there's just so much affection and joy in our time together with our boys. Just them cracking up about something. And, and honestly, the times too when I'm very humbled by seeing what our boys know and understand about God's word that I did not understand Mm -hmm. at their age. 
that will, yeah. if we talk about something that I think is really random or obscure in scripture, like a minor prophet or something, and man, Gus is just, he fills in all the blanks. He's like, oh yeah, I know this. And I'm like, how do you know this? I don't yeah. know yes. this. And so I'm very just humbled and encouraged by that, of just being reminded like that the word of God does not return void. And so in the hearts of our little boys, like they are not insignificant to the father. Our kids are learning the word yeah. and it's being imprinted on their hearts. And um, yeah, we've just had so many fun times. Another thing that I've loved in our house is that whenever we have people over at our house around the time that our boys are going to bed or that we're, we would normally be doing our discipleship time together, we never say, oh, we're just, we're not going to do it tonight because we have guests or we'll just do it later or whatever, or put our kids to bed without doing it. We always invite whoever is at our house. We get to invite them into it and say, do y'all want to do this with us? So uh, right. sometimes Adam has 10 to 20 single guys over here for discipleship. And uh, one night a, a wife came to me, a lady who works with me said, oh, my husband was over there for discipleship. And he, he said that our oldest son went around and asked every single man there for a prayer request. And when it was time to pray, prayed for like 16 men by name and remembered each of their requests and mm. prayed for them. And she was just like, my husband was so blessed by that. But it's, mm. that is always so sweet to have other people just, it's, I think it's so sweet for our boys to go like, these are people yeah. in the church or people in our life that also want to worship and pray with you. Or if we have family here, grandparents, cousins, whatever, you know, like mm. we just always include whoever's here. And I think it's super fun for our family. Yeah, that's some of my favorites too, is when we just have people that we didn't plan on having. You know, sometimes they're just over and we're like, hey, we're about to do this. Our kids are going to go to bed. Do you want to read the Bible with us real quick? And I feel like the more we've done it, the less it feels like a performance of the Griffin family. You know, it's not the Van Trapp family singers. We're, we're just singing a song. We're just going to pray together. We're going to pray for each other. And I feel like it's good for our church to see that. It's good for our kids to see that. Some of my favorites too, Chelsea, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do. Your memory's so much better than mine, but uh, when we were at uh, the ranch, our friend's ranch last year, and we did the armor of God while we were there. And like each night we did a little bit of a different part of Ephesians. And when we've kind of done a series with our kids, like almost like a church would do a sermon series, we do something with our kids that's uh, uh, the next verse in order the next night. Or uh, we did Proverbs last summer. We did a verse of the Proverbs every night and things like that have been so sweet. And I feel like build on things mm -hmm. for our kids. Yeah. And while there are so many that are funny, so many that are hilarious. Some of the ones that I've loved the most are the more serious ones when our kids have finally asked really good questions about God. And there's some nights where I'll just ask, like, what questions do you guys have about girls? What questions do you guys have about God? And we'll just try to have a conversation. And I want it to be so normal for our kids to process doubts or concerns or questions about social life and certainly about their spiritual life. And I love those. How about in the Bryant house? Cassie, what are some of your favorite memories of family discipleship for y'all? Well, first of all, I just want to encourage you guys with the, the fun aspect of it. I think that's so encouraging to hear and for our listeners to hear because it, it should be fun. You know, if it's yeah. a drag, if you're like, be quiet or reading mm -hmm. the Bible or be, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah. it's just, you want it to be fun. You want them to enjoy it. You want to enjoy it. And man, I've been guilty of like, let's just get through this. Can you guys be quiet and stop giggling about whatever? And it's just a good reminder that it should be something to enjoy and not 
something that feels like running on a treadmill or something. So favorite memories of family discipleship time. I mean, honestly, as they get older, some of my favorite memories are just listening to them talk to each other. You know, one of them might ask a question and then instead of us answering it, another one of our daughters answers it or corrects the other daughter um, Mm. or something like that. And so it's just them interacting. As they get older, their desire to interact with God's word has just been really sweet. Where when they were younger, it kind of felt like we were just talking at them or just kind of reading it and trying to get through it. Their engagement uh, has gotten, you know, more and more just enjoyable, I guess, as a parent. Another one, another favorite memory would just be our youngest daughter recently. We were reading something at bedtime. So we do, our family discipleship time is usually in the mornings because we don't do a lot of dinners together. My husband works a few evenings. And then if we have something up at the church, then I might not be there. And so we found that mornings are more consistent for us. All that to say, uh, one evening though, at bedtime, we were reading something and my youngest daughter said, what do you think Jesus looks like? And so instead of like looking up a picture or something or pointing to the picture in the storybook Bible we were in or whatever, we closed our eyes and we just imagined, I was like, well, this is where we know he was born, you know? And so we kind of talked about how he had dark hair and dark eyes and his skin's probably darker than ours. And and we just, and I was like, what do you think his face looks like? And so we just kind of imagined it and talked about how like one day we're going to see him face to face and we'll know. And that was just giving pause to the imagination was one of my, I think that had to have been Holy Spirit led because usually at bedtime, I'm like, okay, guys, let's, let's go to bed. But we, we sat there for a minute and just kind of gave way to our imagination about what Jesus looks like. And that was just really sweet that even her, her little heart was going there to like wondering, thinking of him as an actual person and wondering what he looked like. I don't think I was, I definitely was not doing that at her age. So, yeah. and then like you said, Chelsea, just seeing them have theological understanding that I did not have at their age and just knowing that kindling is being laid and that God is going to use mm-hmm. that and be faithful to use that in their lives is yeah. such a gift. Yeah, I know that we could also go around and share some of the ones that have fallen apart. Like we oh, all had sure. ones where <laughs> dad is very, very impatient and it's mm. it's time to get in the word together boys and you better sit still so help me you know or stop talking to your brother that way and i've talked to so many parents and part of this podcast has led us to talk to even more where uh, inconsistency is really the consistency for families it's like yeah. uh, once in a blue moon we're going to open the bible together or uh, families at our church i i try to greet every week at our church so i know who's there every week and for for whom church might be you know once a month Thing that their family does together or sports is the priority for some families. And so churches uh, may be something we're going to do sometimes. And I also talk to a lot of families that have never studied the Bible together as a family. And there are so many resources out there to help you do this. And we can talk about it more here in a second, but yeah, there's so much out there, but we try to keep it really simple. There's a, there's a book, Family Worship, that was really helpful for me. Donald Whitney wrote it and talks mm-hmm. about a simple formula of read, pray, and sing. And our family does something a little bit different. We'll, we would say, like read and share, like talk about that word and then song and prayer. Like we would do just adding, talking about those things. But one of the questions we get from a lot of listeners is what about for teenagers? What about for middle school kids? What about different ages? Chelsea, with a simple formula like read, pray, and sing, what do you think it can look like for different age kids? Is that something that's still applicable as a kid gets older? And well, I was going to say, don't forget about the babies. For people who have babies right now, this is To me, this is so critical because even before they have like formative memories, it becomes a rhythm, something they expect. They expect mom and dad to sing over them every night as they're being laid into their crib, that we would hold our babies and um, bless them with the word of God. 
and pray for our babies and sing over them and put them to bed. Or I've talked to moms who, when they're when they get their baby out of the crib in the morning, when they go in there, they come in with singing and just sing to their baby. And I'm like, that is so sweet. Yeah, such a sweet rhythm. And so for babies, that, that can be super easy. And it just really eases you into the next stage of just kind of cultivating that out as they're older and can kind of handle more or something of greater depth, or they can sing with you or they can pray too. You know, our nieces and nephews, well, and now one of them is 20, but you know, in their teenage years, they all play music and instruments and they lead worship in churches and in their school chapels, but they could do that at home. And we, I mean, Adam and I got to see that one time we were there visiting, watching them uh, worship in their home and all the kids were playing all the instruments and singing. And yeah, it was was so beautiful and fun. It was super fun just having this like jam session with kids and their mom and dad. And uh, it seemed really normal and natural for them. And uh, we were also there, Adam, I don't know if you remember one Christmas and just watched them kind of how they led their kids through talking about Advent and what it meant that Jesus came and just having, um, I don't know if you remember that, but they had, they had kind of had something planned, like a devotional that was thoughtful, but for teenage kids, you know, but I think was easy for them because they've been discipling their kids as they got older. And so just incrementally, you know, you're just, you're keeping up with them of what's age appropriate for them, you know, We love the Jesus Storybook Mm -hmm. Bible, but we don't read it with our kids anymore. But it was so helpful when they were really little. And then we keep moving. And right now we're reading with our kids out of like a kid's study Bible. I think that for people, whatever age your kids are, don't, don't feel intimidated about the next stage. I think that will come naturally and easily. And the resources out there are so plentiful. But even if all you have is a Bible be encouraged that, that that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. There's a point in the in the gospels where it talks about how that Jesus and his disciples uh, were singing one of their favorite mm-hmm. hymns. Do you remember that? There's uh and I, I just love that picture because sometimes we think singing is for little kids. Sometimes we think singing is reserved for church. But what if, you know, with your teenagers you did sing a song and you don't have to be a great singer to do so. Amen, Chelsea. You don't yeah. have to be a great singer. I'm tone deaf. Wow. Shots fired. (laughs) Maybe I was talking about me. You don't know. Uh, Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But for kids of different ages, the closer they get to adulthood, the more I think it's appropriate to treat them like an adult. So what would you do with anybody if you wanted to talk about the Bible together? Wouldn't you say, hey, uh, why don't you guys read uh, Mark chapter one and then after dinner... But we'll give everybody a little chance to read it. And then let's talk about it. Let's see what you think. And and then if you have ages that are all over the place, maybe you involve your older kids in how you disciple your younger kids. Hey, will you come up with something you want to read tonight? Or what do you think would be a good question to ask them? And you start involving them, not just in receiving, but in leading. I think there's so many ways to involve them. I know maybe for some of you, this sounds idyllic and it sounds unrealistic. I can promise you, while it is idyllic, it's not unrealistic to involve a grown boy or a grown girl in how you're going to disciple each other and disciple your family or to read something together. There's never going to be a point where they've outgrown uh, praying, reading the Bible and singing. It's just not the case. And I get it that some families may not incorporate singing. That's fine. Maybe you listen to a song every once in a while and that's all right too. But Cassie, while we're talking about this, uh, we mentioned several times that there are resources. What are some of your favorite resources for family discipleship time for different age families? Yeah, I mean, for preschool and like younger elementary families, I love the long story short and old story new devotionals. 
Those are, I think they're written by Marty Machowski. The first one, long story short, walks through the Old Testament in like 10 minute devotionals. So it'll give you a part of the text to read as a family and then something to like discuss. It's so great. And it's just a really accessible way to walk through the whole story of scripture. And then the old story new goes through the New Testament. So that's a great resource. We, um, you know, we have some resources like that, even up at our church for parents to kind of look through. Uh, We've already said Jesus Storybook Bible, which is great. There are quite a few story Bibles out now that are just really helpful. Resources have come a long mm-hmm. way for families oh, in the last time. 20 years. Big time. Big time. But then, I mean, like you said, really, if you just pick a book of the Bible and read through it, I would start with something like a gospel just to kind of read through the narrative. Our kids love the book of Esther. They even have loved the book of Job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, pick some some books with some drama in there. And like I said, I, or I don't know if I actually, yeah, read ahead of time. If you can take time to prepare, then that might help you like be prepared for some of the dramatic moments in scripture that you're like, Ooh, they're going to have questions about that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, as our kids grew in literacy too, we started to find resources that we wanted to do them to do on their own. There was, there's a devotional called indescribable that I think Louis Giglio helped put together. And we gave that to our oldest son, Oscar. And for a while we had him doing kind of his own nightly personal devotions and then processing it with us. There's a book called uh, the ology, like theology, but the ology. They have um, one on the Psalms now too. That same they? Arthur. I think he wrote he wrote the long story, long story uh, short. short. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Old story, new. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's and actually, if you have really little kids, there's a couple of our new sponsors, which I'm really excited about. Like uh, the Good Book Company has a series yeah. of Christian children's books that are awesome. Crossway has a a new Bible story book. Uh, that's really great called The Long Story. I think it's called The Long Story. Chelsea and I right now with our kids, uh, somebody gave us, I think my parents did, gave us a version of Pilgrim's Progress that's written like poetically and it rhymes and our kids are loving it, which is great. It's a yeah. narrative that's what metaphor. We're right is it really? Yeah, we're reading, it's called The Little Pilgrim and it's, there. the characters are animals, but uh, okay. he, just, he just left, what is it, Vanity Fair. Oh. So, you know, we're, well, we're in it. We're not there yet, but ours is, ours is something a little bit different. I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's something like a poetic reading of the Pilgrim's Progress, but we are always in and around. There's so many great resources. There's great worship music out there. That's written specifically for kids. Obviously we had Shane and Shane already on talking about that this season. Mm -hmm. There's great Bibles that are geared towards kids. We've gotten our oldest son who's 10. He has a, a a study teen Bible. Um, Our kids who have Kindles, they have a study Bible on their Kindle to be able to look up and read some of the study notes. Yeah. Um, there's certainly great resources out there. Chelsea, anything come to mind for you? Yeah, all this is great. I mean, if you go to like a big church that puts out a lot of stuff, I guarantee you they have tons. They have music um, that you can do together as a family. Like, at, you know, at our church and at the village, you know, they teach kids that like, you kind of recite it, you know, that that's the gospel truth. Cassie, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the yes. finger play, yeah, the gospel finger has, play. Yeah. yeah. They have like it's just like a and... way to teach kids like the gospel in a short method. You know, there's, there's tons of stuff like that that we can kind of work yep. on with kids. Well, and then an Advent and Lent we've done. I and mean, I know we talked about that with Christmas, but certainly Lent is coming up soon as well. Is There's uh, great resources that are for specific seasons in the church calendar. Cassie, what were you going to say? 
Oh, I was going to say, there's a good book for some older, like that would be good for Oscar and Gus called Radical oh, Kids, oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, and it's like a Christian great. living book. And there's like little snapshots of like Christian history, church history, Christian biographies, and then also like Christian living, like stewardship, why it's important to, you know, clean your room and be a good yeah. steward of the things God's given you. And so it's a really great book. I, we give that to kids after they've been baptized because it's just a good like, hey, this is something you can read on your own. Yeah. And it will hopefully like shape and form the way you think about church history in your life and theology and I'm glad you brought that one up. Oscar loved that book. And it made me also think of maybe a little less conventional is there are great biographies and great yes. fiction books out there that are both Christian-based. Oscar read a Tim Tebow biography, and it was super impactful mm-hmm. for his faith. He also read the Prince Warriors series. Yes, that's great. And talked through that, or the Green Ember series, and our kids have loved that. You know, there's there's tons of Christian resources out there. Not all of them are great. But right now, media has a ton. We'll put a bunch in the show notes for you. Yeah. If you want to share more with us or your favorite one, please feel free. And especially if you want to buy one from one of our sponsors that you'll hear us advertise on here, that not only blesses the podcast that we're trying to put out there, but it also will bless your family. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple your families right now, why don't you, right after this episode, give a great review, five stars, wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps our podcast a ton. And share this episode with one of your friends. Uh, Bring in a new listener that also needs to hear about family discipleship. And if you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you listeners. And we'll be back next week with more great stuff. We'll see you soon.